0: This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Troy Swanson. I'm the Library Department Chair. Thanks for coming out today for our panel discussion about this year's election, which is coming November 6th, right? Yes. Um, This is part of our one book, one college series. We're talking about Tony Horwitz's book, Confederates in the Attic. Since so many themes from that book were still debating and carrying through to the present day, we thought having an election about the or uh, having an election having a panel discussion about the election was appropriate. So um, this is focused on the upcoming election. I want to thank our faculty members for participating. I'll do quick introductions so we can get into the meat of the stuff. First, we have Dana Campbell, who's the department chair of physical sciences and a chemistry instructor. Yes. Next is John Nash uh, from Communications. Yes, feel free to clap for your, for your favorites. Lost, yeah. um, Aileen Donnersberger, Education, Department Chair of Social Sciences. Amanda Pettigrew in Communications. Jeremy Walker in Mathematics. Darren Shrek in uh, Political Science. And Kevin Aversell in Political Science. So we have our political scientists to keep us honest. So thanks for doing that. <laughs> Thank you all. And I'll turn it over to Amanda, who will be our moderator for today.
1: Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Um, our panel discussion today is concerning the election of 2012, and I was reading an article from September 25th 2012, uh, Inside Higher Education, and it made note that the youth of today are discouraged not because they feel as though their voices aren't heard, but because of the issues that are being covered within election years. And so I think it's really important that not only today are we covering issues that are under, you know, under-discussed, overlooked, and uh, completely ignored. But the reason why we're doing that is because in an election year, it's important that you know the issues and that the issues that are important to you are being discussed. So, uh, behind our panel today, uh, they've taken great thought into what issues are being ignored. And that's our main question. What's at stake in this election of 2012? And... Uh, With that in mind, who would like to start us off by telling us what issue do you feel is being overlooked, ignored, understudied?
2: Um, I can start. Um, I feel that the issue of education, and currently here in the state of Illinois and in our Chicagoland surrounding areas, we have had the topic of strikes and teacher accountability, student accountability, yet both of the candidates have really um, not addressed the issue of education other than to um, Obama's issue of race to the top or his educational um, plan, which um, piggybacks on No Child Left Behind, which was signed into law in 2002, which was um, Bush's educational reauthorization of the 1965 Elementary and Secondary Education Act. And so we have No Child Left Behind, which currently dictates how students are tested, give options for parents. and I have yet to hear either Romney or Obama bring the topic of K-12 through education to the forefront. We talk a little bit about higher education, but I think it's very important to note the connection between um, educational attainment at, to job security which then of course helps benefit our society and so we're at a point of um, you know many people without jo- jobs, higher unemployment rates yet we're avoiding or not discussing the importance of setting um, the educational foundation at the earliest level, early childhood and of course through K-12 through education up to higher education as well. Thank you Eileen.
1: Does anybody have a comment on that as far as Any other thoughts on the educational aspect? And I just want to make note that you can ask questions at any point in our panel discussion, so uh, please feel free to raise your hand, and we'll address your questions as we go through uh, the discussion. Uh, What other issues, in addition to that early education being primed for, you know, job security, what other issues are being overlooked?
3: Well, you you know what's interesting is you brought up uh, issues that people care about not being – necessarily discuss, especially issues that the youth care about, and I think what happens is, uh, uh, there's got to be a nice way to say it, a lot of politicians are older, and as technology and issues change, they may not be totally informed, and so one issue I have been very concerned about is watching how freedom on the internet plays out. You have a lot of misinformed politicians, they don't quite understand everything about the internet, I'm not saying everybody understands how Google works or how all of that works, but you have that going on, and then you have it. It's just perfect for somebody like the RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association, or somebody like that to come in and help them write a law. And so we recently had a law that was very close to being passed called SOPA, which was designed to stop websites from promoting uh, pirating of software and that kind of thing, Which and software music, which makes sense from a business standpoint, but the law was written extremely poorly, And from a technological aspect, it would have made the entire Internet a completely different place, Uh, difficult to link to. It would have taken down popular websites, websites like Reddit, uh, websites like Metafilter, websites like uh, FARC, all these websites that we go to to see fun links and things like that, but where true discussions held with uh, young, interested people could have been affected by something as bad as, or something as simple as a poorly written law, mainly because politicians didn't quite know what parts were good, what parts were bad. They were relying on bad expertise. And so for me, that just comes from, I really think, just that's what can make it where it feels like uh, I don't know who to vote for or that kind of thing because it's hard to see who's informed with that kind of stuff.
1: Very well said. I think that the point of there being that link between the young and then the old and our politician, how do they connect, uh, is a great point that uh, Jeremy brought up. Uh, Any
4: additional? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll comment on that, too. Uh, I coach the speech debate team here, and one of the speeches that we ran a couple of years ago dealt with the Internet regulations and deregulations. And uh, I think something that would be important, especially to the generation sitting here in this audience, is um, one of the elements that they were discussing was making the Internet almost a tiered um, access availability similar to cable like cable TV, where you could pay for basic cable, you get the basic channels, then you've got to pay more for premium. And that was one of those elements that they were talking about for Internet access, too, where if you paid for Internet, you'd get base Internet, but if you wanted, say, Facebook, you'd have to pay more. If you wanted access to Google, you'd have to pay more. And um, I think that is something that was being talked about legislation-wise, but the politicians really aren't.
3: Well, you know, I don't think that issue's gone either. The no. net, that's the net neutrality. If you hear that phrase, that's the net neutrality thing that they're talking about. And you can see, think about recent political things around the world. How would What would the Arab Spring have looked like if it wasn't easy to access stuff? And you say, well, it's just the U.S. But the Internet is heavily dominated by U.S. properties. Uh, properties meaning like Twitter, you know, uh, Facebook. Those are U.S.-based properties. So it makes you wonder how would that have been affected? I don't claim to be an expert on that, but... I don't think that issue's completely gone either. I'm not sure uh, if that's still floating around.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And and also, with what comes with that, too, is companies that can pay more money would get their websites in the basic level. So let's say someone like a Walmart could pay a lot of money, get their Walmart website in the base level. Maybe your parents' company... Like your mom and pop store couldn't pay enough, and so they would be in a higher level tier. So if you went to Google, oh, I want to buy something, only the Walmart website would come up, and not the smaller retail stores. So that's, yeah, the net neutrality is still, to my knowledge too, still in the works.
1: All right, does right, so anybody want to introduce a new issue as far as one that is being ignored or
2: overlooked? Oh,
5: I'm sorry. There's an issue that, um, I hear about all the time, and people always complain that, uh, well, some, some people, uh, some politicians or uh, 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 people complain that young adults don't vote. Now, that's you, by the way. You're a young adult. Uh, you see my gray hair. I'm, not, I'm no longer a young adult. But anyway, uh, uh, some of you may not have registered to vote for whatever reason. It's not something that's important in your life right now for uh, who knows. Uh, I mean, you know, you probably just... Came, uh, you, you have you, you have just become of age where you can vote. But uh, personally, I think it's the parents' responsibility to teach the children how to vote. Uh, I taught my children how to drive when they were turned 16, and when they turned 18, I took them to get them registered to vote. They didn't have a choice. I didn't I didn't badger them and complain and they never voted. Just like I didn't badger them and complain they didn't know how to drive. I showed them how to drive paid for the driving education to get a, le- a driver's license. I took them down to the uh, county office and got them registered to vote. Now I can't make them vote, but uh, I told them if uh, you don't want to vote, then you have to pay the mortgage. <laughs> so those are the options: you can vote or you can pay the mortgage. I'll take either one. So it's a parent's, it's a parent's responsibility to teach children how to vote, and don't. And um, I know you're not children; children, you're young adults when you turn 18 but uh, you still need some direction and voting is something that you really should do no matter what no matter what it's, so, it's such a serious issue just looking at some stats here in 2008 Barack Obama won the election 125 million people voted 67 million voted for Barack Obama 58 million voted for John McCain so he only won by what? Uh, uh, 9 million votes in 2004 George Bush won the election with 62 million Uh, Votes and John Kerry lost the election with 59 million. Only 3 million people separated the winner and the loser out of 121 million people voting. And we all know by 2000 when George Bush won the election with 50.5 million and Al Gore lost the election with 51 million. (laughs) And 101.5 million people voted. So um, you you think one vote doesn't count? Your one vote counts. Because if it's a close election... There's a tie. And it's only a few million votes that separate the winners from the losers.
1: That's a great point. In the article that I was reading, uh, Inside Higher Education, it was talked about how, uh, you know, the number of voters that turned out for 2008 election and in comparison to what they expect now. And in 2010, and I know that that's the – what's the proper term for the – the midterm elections. The midterm elections, thank you, uh, that there was 4 million less young voters that turned out for 2010. And, again, it's because are the issues that are important to you being discussed, uh, or are they being ignored and put to the back burner? And that's really the question. What other issues are being, you know, kind of set aside and and not getting any attention?
4: Alright, uh, four years ago I recall there was a lot of talk about um, religion with the election. Um, I remember my classes talking about it and I had a student who was um, a member of Barack Obama's church and um, if I'm not mistaken Barack Obama got a lot of religious heat because um, he was a member of a church and the pastor of that church had said some racist remarks. And so he was associated with the racist remarks. And um, yeah, I, I think that was a huge talking point in the last election, um, not to mention the assertions and ab- about Barack Obama being a Muslim terrorist and those kinds of things. And, and, and so I think religion played a, a fairly big part in the last election. And something that I was a little bit surprised on with this election is um, I really thought that I would hear more about the Mormon issues coming in with uh, Mitt Romney. And um, I found a Gallup poll that was published in the August 29th Huffington Post, and um, it said that 18% of Americans would not vote for a Mormon president, but that 40% of Americans didn't know that Mitt Romney was a Mormon. And, and I thought that was fairly interesting. Um, and I really thought that would be a much more prominent Uh, talking point issue in this election, Um, especially with some of the issues. Um, I know uh, a lot of controversy with uh, the Mormon religion dealing with um, women, dealing with um, just allowing African Americans into their church, I think back in the 70s maybe, late 60s, early 70s, um, dealing with the ostracizing of GLBT communities. I really thought that would be a much more heated issue, um, especially with the money that uh, the Mormon Church pours into politics. Uh, they, what was the statistic? Um, according to the 2010 Fair Political Practices Commission report, uh, the Mormon Church donated over $200 million to defeat the, uh, the Gay Marriage Act in California. And I thought that was very interesting, and they were punished by that from the the government because it's illegal for a tax-exempt organization to a church to uh, promote politics. And I thought that would be a huge talking point, especially with this Sunday, the, um, the, what is it called? The Pulpit Freedom Act coming up this Sunday where several um, thousand churches are all supposed to record their sermons and then send them to the IRS saying that we are going to talk politics and we dare you to revoke our tax-exempt status. So I think that's a really interesting issue too that I don't think very many people know about, that a lot of religious organizations want this to go to a jury because they feel that their freedom of communication, their, their right to speak out for who they believe in is being compromised. So I thought that's a very interesting talking point that nobody is Talking about.
1: Anybody have a comment on
6: that?
4: What's that? Zach? What uh, these is from a Gallup poll uh, published in the Huffington Post. 18% of Americans would not vote for a Mormon president, and 40% of Americans did not know that Romney was a Mormon. So that was from the August 29th Huffington Post.
1: Any additional questions regarding the issues that have been brought up, whether it's SOPA and Internet privacy or the religion issue? No, but I do... Okay, that was a question on health care reform, the importance of health care reform and the views from each of the parties. Does anybody have any insight on that issue? You know, uh,
3: I have this feeling that the details are purposely not being discussed in the election because details mean that you might form a stronger opinion towards one candidate or the other. In other words, it feels as though the candidates are scared to put themselves out there too much in one direction or the other. That's the sense that I've gotten. And... uh, I, I agree that's a very important issue because uh, for me, I have a family member with a uh, chronic illness. The costs are astounding. Luckily, we have insurance that pays for this, but I can't imagine, for instance, the daily injections that he takes cost over $3,000 a month. Can you imagine what we would do if we didn't have insurance? I'm not sure. It's almost like, what if I suddenly decided that I would like to try a new job? There's, I would have to be very careful about where I work What if I wanted to start a new business? I would feel very uncomfortable with that because I know that, well, you don't just magically get insurance when you start a business. But I would say that um, I don't know a lot of the details, and I think that's unfortunate, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I really do think it feels to me almost like the candidates are avoiding discussing too many details because it it opens them up for attack the more specific they get.
2: Um, I would agree with that. I um, went online and looked at this 2012 Presidential election, 60 different issues side by side of each of the candidates. And so there's only three areas um, underneath health care. That's it, in the pressing questions that are, um, you know, put, put forth. And so I'll just, um, for one, I'll just read them, and they're issues 34, 35, and 36 out of the 60 that I printed. Um, are the March 2010 federal health care reform laws, Obamacare, good for America? So one says pro, one says con. Obviously, Obama's pro, Romney's con. The next one, um, should there be a federal mandate for individuals to have health insurance? It says now Obama is pro for this. It says now pro, Romney is con. And the third is, should all Americans have a right, be entitled to basic health care? Obama's pro, and then it says not clearly pro or con for Romney. So, I mean, just, it, and I agree with what Jeremy was saying, I don't think there's a lot of information out there, and so they're, per, or they're avoiding it, and so therefore we don't have, you know, the direct answers, I think, personally myself, on, on the differences of the health care. But certainly any of you, this was, I don't know what, where I got this, presidential candidate positions, and so certainly it's interesting, a nice little guide for any of you who are looking about major issues um, coming up in the election.
1: Now would be a good time to, uh, since we're almost reaching the halfway point, um, would be a good time to point out that tonight does mark the presidential debates uh, taking place. And I think that in, in direct relation to your question and concern about the health care reform, that that hopefully is an issue that will be touched upon tonight. But also, I think it would be important for, especially those in the immediate audience, that, you know, hearing these issues that have been brought up by the panel members on what's being ignored what's being under discussed will they come up in the debate tonight and uh, the debate is a perfect place for you to get both sides uh, actively uh, communicating uh, to you as an audience member so if you cannot watch it live uh, definitely set the DVR, record it uh, so that you can come back to it and watch it in more detail later on. Uh, it's the panel members, do you have any last-minute comments that you'd like to make before we introduce our political science? Yeah, I have
4: one more. Okay. okay. One more issue that I think is being totally overlooked is the war in Afghanistan. Uh, this past Sunday marked the 2,000th soldier that was killed in Afghanistan. And um, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people even know that we're at war over there. Um, Romney isn't talking about it. Obama isn't talking about it. If, if Obama talks about it, it will make him look bad because most of these deaths have happened while he's been in office. So, you know, he's got a reason not to talk about it, and, Obama and, and uh, Romney doesn't seem to be chatting about it either. So um, I think that's something that will be interesting to see if that comes out in the debate tonight.
1: Thank you, John. Uh, is there a question? Maria?
2: Yeah. What channel?
1: Uh, the question was, what channel would the debate be on tonight? Um, all of them is a good answer. Uh, the majority of the network channels, and uh, so you'll see it's it's kind of interfering with anything that you might normally watch on live television. Uh, also, uh, I'm sure that there will be links available to uh, perhaps uh, you to watch it after the fact as well. Uh, okay, uh, eight o'clock central time tonight for the debate. Great, so there will be a viewing party for the debates tonight in the Moraine rooms in the M building. Great. So uh, uh, one of our audience members pointed out that a lot of the uh, news sources, CNN, MSNBC, um, one of the bigger networks, will allow you to stream it live. Um, also meaning that if you have a smartphone of any kind, you'll probably be able to view it on your smartphone as well. So uh, a lot of different ways for you to get that information in our technological age, and uh, that is something that definitely taps into your generation to help you take advantage. Uh, having heard, thank you, panel members, for that great discussion. Uh, I would like to turn it over to Darren and Kevin uh, for our more political science take on election 2012.
6: Well, one of the things that I wanted to mention was uh, too often people, when they get to the election season, they ask about, uh, let's say, the Electoral College and how that works, and 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 voters get kind of... Uh, You know, downtrodden in a way because they believe their vote doesn't count and uh, I always take the opposite opinion that your vote no matter what level whether it's the local, state or federal level does count and uh, you might think well uh, the state of Illinois is already wrapped up and Obama is going to win the state of Illinois so why should I bother to go out and uh, it kind of dovetails with something that I've been hearing from people on the panel already about uh, both sides uh, we hear the statement both sides in every election. Uh, unfortunately, they're, they're, that's not true. There are actually more than two candidates who are running for president. Uh, there is the libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson, who is a former Republican uh, governor from New Mexico. There is the Green Party candidate, uh, Dr. Jill Stein, who ran for governor of Massachusetts against uh, Mitt Romney one year. There is a, a former uh, Republican congressman from Virginia, uh, Virgil Good, uh who uh, is thought that if he his name stays on the ballot, uh, might take votes away from Mitt Romney in the state of Virginia, which makes Virginia uh, a state that's up for grabs, not only for Obama, but for Romney. Uh, so there are more than two candidates. In some states, you have uh, five or six candidates on the ballot. In other states, you may have 10 or 15. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, you only have two. But if you want to find out more about Other candidates, and the reason why I bring those candidates up is that there is a law in in a federal law that states that if a candidate nationwide gets more than five percent of the vote, they automatically qualify. Their party automatically qualifies to to get on a ballot in any state for the next four years. In the state of Illinois, in order to qualify for a presidential uh, access to a ballot you need to get more than 25,000 signatures on a petition. It's very difficult to do. Uh, In the state of Oklahoma, the number is in the thousands, and they make it very difficult, where I believe they only allow you to get the signatures in about two or three weeks. And uh, in the state of Texas, there's a law that states uh, if you sign a petition for a third-party candidate, let's say it's Gary Johnson, and you also sign one for the Green Party candidate, Jill Stein, Uh, If they find the signature on both petitions, your signature is invalidated. And the more that happens in the state of Texas, the less likely a candidate like Gary Johnson can get on a ballot. Uh, In the state of Michigan, for instance, they have a law called a sore loser law, where if you ran in any type of election previously in a primary for any type of race, In this case, being president, Gary Johnson ran for president in the Republican Party. He was invited to two debates, and they had about 30 or 40 debates. He was invited to two. His name was still on the ballot in Michigan, even though he had dropped out. He couldn't get his name off of the ballot. His name will not be on the ballot in the state of Michigan because they consider his name, his candidacy, a sore loser candidacy. So if you wanted to vote for Gary Johnson, let's say, in the state of Michigan... Uh, you have to write his name in. So, does your vote count in the state of Illinois? Absolutely it does. If you decide not to vote for one of the two major parties, a third-party candidate does benefit. If a third-party candidate, like I said, gets 5%, then their their candidacy means that their party automatically gets ballot access. And that's one of the things we don't realize, that, yes, we like to say both sides. And, yes, if you go to Twitter and you go to Facebook and you read these third-party candidates and what they stand for. Some of them sound very familiar or or very similar to a a major party, but issues such as net neutrality and even education, one being more talked about, I would say, education than the other, uh, you can find these candidates talking about these issues. The problem is, is that these issues that we're discussing here, and they are viable and legitimate issues to discuss, are not held in high standing by the two major parties. The two major parties see these issues as fringe. And it's only until the fringe, whether it's youth voters or senior citizens or the middle class get up and vote, that they'll realize that these issues are mainstream. So if you want to find what the candidates are talking about, go to their websites, go to the social networking as well. I'm on the social network uh, working with uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein to see what they're talking about. Jill Stein was the only candidate in Chicago talking about the Chicago teacher strike. Gary Johnson's the only one talking about uh, the devaluation of the dollar. And if you think about it, the economic situation that we're in is one of those issues that I know we're not discussing it as possibly what's important to young voters or, or members of this audience. But when you talk about the economy now, and that we're $16 trillion in debt, what's going to happen four years from now? I think the title of the our panel is What's at Stake? And you have to think what will be at stake for you in the next four years. Will you have that job? Will your family have that job? How important is the economy in your life? It's very important, I would think. It may not be important where you say, okay, I can retire tomorrow because you know you can't. But what happens today will have an effect on whether you can retire at the age of 55 or 65 or 75. So those are some of the things that we should consider as well during this election.
7: All right. um, This is probably a silly question, but when is the election again? November 6th. That is correct. But actually, we started early voting in Iowa last week. And on Tuesday, we started early voting in Ohio. And it's predicted, well, in the 2008 election, about 35 percent of all votes were cast before the official date of the November election. And it's estimated that this year, perhaps as high as 40 percent of all ballots are being cast. It's something to think uh, to think about as far as uh, you know the importance of these debates starting tonight are are, are definitely important but some people are already decided and some people have already cast their ballot especially in some of these key swing states there's 32 states including the District of Columbia that have early voting I wanted to show I'm going to hit on a few different elements that I think are interesting and and maybe uh, trying to not to get too much into the horse race mentality of who may win but just looking at the presidential race and I'm sorry Darren between the two major candidates of, uh, that have, according to the polls, the best likelihood of, of winning. And so maybe a, a couple elements that might be good news and bad news for the incumbent president, Barack Obama. I'm going to show a couple of uh, websites that have some data, and hopefully from where you're sitting uh, you can see this. Well, first of all, uh, the, the first website that I have doesn't have much uh, data, but I just wanted to show it as a source. This comes from Nate Silver. He runs a blog on the New York Times website, and uh, his point in this uh, article is basically saying: 45 days before an election, um, going back, uh, I think they go back to 1936, that there's only been one example of somebody who is ahead in the in the polls. Uh, who did not win the popular vote, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, that did not win the Electoral College, and that was, uh, of course, Al Gore in 2000. So typically, when you are ahead at this stage, as Barack Obama has has been, um, it, the, the likelihood of of re-election is very high. Um, also, in the last 45 days, it's typically the the uh, incumbent. That, or I'm sorry, uh, in the last 45 days, the person who's behind in the polls uh, generally does not gain in those last 45 days to uh, to 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 make that uh, make up what they've they've already been behind. So, um, I guess in 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 many ways, that's a lot of good news for Barack Obama. Another interesting um, demographic that I wanted to point out is that uh, we'll have four million more Hispanic voters who are registered to vote in this 2012 election compared to 2008. And as you may recall, back in 2008, Barack Obama won the Hispanic vote by, he received 67% of the uh, Hispanic vote. Now, just because you're registered to vote doesn't mean that you will vote. In this, um, this data from Pew Research, demonstrates that their uh, voter turnout amongst Hispanics is lower uh, than whites and blacks. But um, especially in some of the key swing states, uh, such as Nevada uh, and Florida, uh, even Wisconsin, this can be a significant uh, demographic to keep in mind. Okay, bad news, for potential bad news uh, for Barack Obama. So, we were talking a little bit about voter turnout and engagement, and we started off by talking about, in particular, the youth vote. Uh, This data also comes from the Pew Research Center, and it's showing that youth engagement is down significantly from 2008. And um, you guys hopefully can read this from where you're at. Is that correct? Can you see this pretty well? Uh, But I just wanted to point out for the podcast, uh, for those who do not have the luxury of seeing this, that um, as far as the comparison of the youth from 2012 to 2008, and by the youth they're characterizing this as 18 to 29, so the youngest voting demographic, as far as following the campaign news very closely, in 2008, 35% of all 18- to 29-year-olds indicated that they were following closely, and now it's a half that at 18%. As far as definitely planning to vote, 18- to 29-year-olds in September of 2008, 72%. And in September 2012, it was 63%, down 9%. And then perhaps most importantly, as far as whether uh, you are registered to vote, and this question the Pew Research asked whether you are absolutely certain you are registered to vote, and only 50% of 18 to 29 year olds indicated that they were registered to vote. Uh, significantly lower than any other age demographic, especially those age 65 and older. So I know we talked a little bit about some issues that might be neglected for that pertain to 18 to 29 year olds, but You know, from a self-interested standpoint, if you were running for office, uh, which voting demographics would you pay attention to? Uh, You know, the ones that uh, are more likely to vote, I guess, would be the the correct answer to that, uh, as we all know. And then um, one last thing that I'll bring up is, you know, Darren talked about, mentioned the importance of the economy already. Uh, maybe you recall uh, one of the key elements of the 1992 election and this famous phrase, it's the economy, stupid. Well, uh, that's certainly true today. Uh, as far as, again, from the Pew Research uh, a survey, uh, from September 12th to the 16th of this year, as far as voters' priorities, percentage of voters saying that each is very important to their vote, economy, was listed as 87%, jobs, 83%, and then health care, 74%, education, 69%. And uh, I'll let you guys see the rest of this on your own. But um, it's definitely a key issue. So as I listed this under the uh, category of perhaps bad news for Barack Obama. Unemployment rate is still 8.2%. Uh, economic growth has been limited. And uh, clearly, you know, I'm sure in the debate tonight we'll hear Mitt Romney bring up, you know, uh, some of the comments that Barack Obama made early on in his uh, administration of what he expected unemployment to be and what he expected the stimulus to do. And um, so this could be a factor. uh, It's definitely going to be a factor to many voters in this upcoming election. And I thought I'd just quickly browse through a couple of these issues just so you guys can kind of see as far as uh, the data that they have on, on voter preferences uh, this darker blue line indicates uh, is for smaller government so 56% of voters indicated they prefer a smaller government whereas uh, 35% of people prefer bigger government providing more services another interesting point is the uh, as far as the voters of uh, people who say that they're going to vote for either Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, what issues do they prefer? And as far as the budget deficit, which uh, Darren brought up as well, uh, Barack—I'm o- sorry—Mitt Romney has a clear advantage for uh, voters who believe that is important. Terrorism, uh, another big advantage for the Republican Party and Mitt Romney. Something to keep in mind with what happened earlier. Or last month now uh, in Libya, and whether that may or may not be terrorism, but it could be on the voter's mind. And then lastly, issues that matter to swing voters. So, swing voters in this case are de- defined as those who are either undecided or only lean to a candidate and say that their vote is essentially still up for grabs. And uh, amongst these voters, The economy is uh, most important, uh, followed by education, anyway, and then jobs, health care, and the budget deficit. I'm going to leave it at that for now. If you guys have any questions or comments, answer them.
1: Are there any questions right here? Okay. I just want to reiterate what the comment was. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. pointing out that uh, those that are being polled, perhaps are, the majority are um, Democratic, and so they perhaps are leaning towards Obama, uh, and is there perhaps a discrepancy? Are they polling appropriately? Would that be your question? Yeah. Comment?
7: yeah. No, the, the, the question is a good one, and, and uh, keep in mind that these polls are not perfect. Uh, they're the best tool that we have, and it's amazing uh, how accurate they tend to be. And uh, they're not exact as far as their predictions of uh, who's actually going to show up and vote on election day, but they're pretty close. And um, it so happens the same website. And this is a statistician, and I know yes, you can tweak stats perhaps to uh, come to support the conclusion that you had to begin with. But that being said, um, there's he finds, and I've got the article up here in going back um, several decades that there's, there's no consistent bias towards one party or the other. Um, yes, there's been times where the polls have underestimated one party um, previous to the election by a few percentage points, um, but this doesn't generally favor the Democrats or Republicans over time. And again, uh, if you were to look at these estimates, uh, pre, pr- prior to an election, then look at the actual election results. They're generally within a percent or two. So, um, but it, it's a good question and one that um, you know we there's still a lot of improvement for making sure that we have quality samples. Um, one of the statistics that is very concerning to me is the response rate of men, of these surveys. First of all, the polling organizations rarely give them out, uh, but some of the estimates that we've heard are around ten percent. So many people refuse to uh, participate in these surveys. And, you know, we do know that there's probably some categorical differences between those who who do decide to participate in these surveys versus those who don't. Uh, So it's a good question.
3: I have to butt in a little bit as a statistics professor and mention that there's quite a bit of science behind uh, how polling like this is done. And these organizations, uh, the way they make money, the way they operate is by making scientifically sound uh, polling or doing scientifically sound polling. And, you know, uh, there certainly is something with the non-response. You tend to get uh, people who are more fired up to, to respond but in the end, uh, that's why you look at several, many polls. There are some that the questions are perhaps worded uh, not as good as the others and that kind of thing. But all of these have uh, teams of statisticians that design them. And, you know, their goal is generally to see what's going on because they're betting their reputation on it. And so that's why if, uh, if, I, if I was concerned about something like that, that's why I take in uh, many polls. And I realize, you got to realize polls are a snapshot polls are a snapshot of that time and so it seems like they change so much and all this but again it's like taking a picture and right now you know this is what the picture looks like and it could change dramatically or one way or the other but again there's everybody should understand there's a lot of science behind how these polls are designed and while statistics can be uh, manipulated usually uh, it's manipulated by people who, uh, uh, who don't have such a stake in being correct and they have a stake in doing you know being generally right with their estimates.
1: All right. Any other questions from the audience? Roxanne? Where can you go to vote? Okay.
7: That's a gr- great question, and it depends where you live. And uh, there's a website, uh, Illinois Board of Elections. You can do a simple Google search uh, and find out where do I vote in Illinois, and the first link, hopefully, that pops up through your Google search will be this Illinois State Board of Elections, and you can type in your name in zip code. And first of all, find out whether you are registered to vote. You have until next Tuesday to register to vote in Illinois, so you can find out whether you're registered to vote, and then when you do so, you can find out where, you're polling, uh, where you, uh, your precinct is for you to cast your vote.
1: Great. So you do have access to uh, that information here at the library. They're willing to give you that information. Uh, So, uh, you know, Kevin did uh, give you another important date. October 9th uh, next week is the last day to get registered. So definitely, uh, you know, if you're not registered already, you can use the uh, election board website to find out if you're registered, and then you can get yourself registered. And also start talking about, uh, you know, being registered, getting out to vote, uh, and issues that are important to you, uh, whether it's health care reform or, you know, piracy, religion, education. Uh, but I think that Dana really brought up a great point in that the responsibility of voting, whether you were taught at home or not, um, we are telling you now that uh, it is important and your vote does matter. And uh, hopefully you'll start talking about things. You'll watch the debate that, again, is on tonight uh, and get even more information on the issues that, uh, you might find out that you're surprised by some issues that are you didn't know were important to you. But after watching the debate and getting more information, they really are. Uh, a lot can happen in four years, so definitely. Is there anything else to add, or to...
6: well, at the there are many other races that are taking place. Uh, there in Illinois, the the major races would be outside of the president are uh, elections for House of Representatives. Uh, Right now, the Republicans have a majority in the House. Uh, In many states, well, in every state, you have every seat is up for election in the House of Representatives. And then you have about a third of the 100 seats that are available in the United States Senate. They are being contested. And uh, right now, the Democrats have uh, control of the Senate. So you might be thinking... How does the election apply to me? Well, at the local level, if you want to call it that, for the House of Representatives, a lot of, of course, the laws that take place initially start or initially begin at the House level. So uh, they're the ones who make the laws. They're the ones who push it onto the president if it passes through both houses. Uh, So it's also important to vote uh, in those elections as well. There are other states, like I said, that have contested uh, Senate races, which they're going to be turning out in uh, higher numbers as well.
4: Any uh, comments on either Mark Kirk or Jesse Jackson Jr.? Um, Both political candidates, I believe, both up for re-election, and both are sort of
6: um,
4: Uh, incapacitated.
6: Actually, Mark Kirk would be up for re-election in uh, 2016. more years? 16.
4: 16,
6: okay. 2016, and uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. is in a heavily Democratic district, uh, drawn up to protect Democrats, as there are some districts in the United States that are drawn up to, pro- to protect Republicans. Uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. has been uh, incapacitated. He had been at the Mayo Clinic. Nobody had been able to uh, visit him. Uh, he wasn't making public statements about his health, and yet will probably win re-election with about 88% of the vote. <laughs> So it also shows that if you live in a district that is heavily drawn up to protect your interest, to protect your party interest, uh, you don't even have to be present, and you can win it without a problem.
1: a uh, question here in the audience. You know. uh, his point was uh, asking about uh, voters and, you know, is it really that our vote doesn't count, or is it that, Uh, the politicians, the elected officials are going to do whatever they want.
6: You know, there's something called the uh, responsible party model, where we believe that people who are elected into office follow their party platform and then execute what the party platform is all about. And then there are other models that say, no matter who we elect, no matter what they stand for, they're probably going to do their own thing anyway and not follow through with their platform. And I think that's where a lot of the, the angst comes from against voting, because the attitude is, no matter what they say to me, they're going to do something else once they get elected. I think that's where the disconnect comes from.
1: Okay. And uh, the article that I've made mention of a couple times, the Inside Higher Education article from September, uh, basically backed up what Darren just said about it's not that young, the youth vote thinks that uh, their vote doesn't matter. It's that they basically are viewing the political system, the electoral vote, as being corrupt, process. And um, that that's actually hindering most youth from getting out there and voting rather than the apathy. So it's a great point that you ran.
5: Well, just one, just one last comment on that uh, uh, voting. Uh, your vote doesn't count. In 2000, remember, uh, if enough people had voted, it's possible we would have had a different president, and we, we would not have been in two wars, possibly. I don't know if that would have happened or not. But who knows? So your vote does count, and if you don't vote, you'll never know. So you got to vote.
1: Thank you, Dana. There's one more question back here. Thank you for that encouragement uh, to get out there and vote. Is there, yes, I, we have time. for You one. know, there's a
3: really good South Park episode that I feel like addresses this, <laughs> and you know, it's very. Yeah, there's a South Park episode that addresses every issue, but. Uh, It's very much how I've felt in elections, but uh, what got me over that was I feel like it's momentum. Like, I have the feeling that people are going to say what they think everybody wants to hear, and who I vote for may not sway too much, but it's all about momentum in the case where, okay, I go out there, I participate in the system, and who I like gets gets voted in. I may believe that he's probably not going to do half of what he says he's going to do, But I pick based on who would I trust their judgment and what kind of thing am I expressing to all the politicians by casting this vote so and I kind of view it like when you save money or or you're trying to work out every time you put that dollar aside you're like oh it's a dollar who cares and then you know a little while later you're like whoa look at the money I got it's kind of the same way I feel like it's more of a momentum thing even when I might not like either choice and I might feel that you know I'm being told what I want to hear it's a momentum thing that's how I viewed it.
1: Thank you Jeremy I think that's a great point and uh, it definitely kind of wraps up everything that we've talked about today that it is definitely about taking action having that momentum moving towards something uh, and that's really what we were encouraging uh, through this panel today is that you will move forward and take some sort of action uh, either regarding any of the issues that were brought up or voting in general but be a part of election 2012 so uh, that you know, we don't have to ask again, you know, what's at stake in 2016?
0: Okay, thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you, panel members. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.